This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week comes from Jeff Regan, investigator. We'll hear the lady with too much hair from November 6th, 1948. After that, it's the flying thieves from This Is Your FBI. That story aired September 23rd, 1949. My name's Regan. I get ten a day in expenses from a detective bureau run by a guy named Anthony J. Lyon. They call me the Lion's Eye. Jack Webb is Jeff Regan investigator as CBS offers you hard-boiled action and mystery and thrilling adventure in tonight's story of The Lady with Too Much Hair. Suite 308 in the Cosmopolitan Building on 7th near Olive. The letters on the door say, International Detective Bureau, Anthony J. Lyon, President. They used to be in gold, but the Lyon scraped them off one day and made some kind of a deal with Fort Knox. Oh, it isn't much of an office. One room the size of a cigar box, and it smells about the same. There's an overstuffed chair in one corner with a loose spring that's a menace. Right over it, there's a crack in the ceiling. That's the lion doesn't seem to mind. He says the place is rigged for comfort. Well, that's where I was at 5.25 last Wednesday night. The lion was sitting behind the desk looking at himself in a mirror. What he saw should have scared him. A pair of shoe-button eyes mounted in a head like a Spanish onion. You know, Regan, I don't feel like I used to. Neither do the Republicans. Think I've got that middle-aged look. Yeah, just the spread. It's getting a little scarce on top. Change your shampoo. I shouldn't be getting bald at my age. I'm only 39. Your addition is kind of bad, isn't it? Uh, I guess it's because I got so much worry. None of this business takes a lot out of a man. Takes more out of your clients. They get good service at reasonable rates. Mm, well, I've heard the commercial. Regan, cancel all arrangements for tonight. You're going to be busy. Doing what? That's the trouble with you, young man. Too hasty. Learn how to relax, like me. Tell that to your ulcer. Ever hear of a lady named Hazel Carr? No. Well, you're going it. She's a businesswoman, and we got business with her. What kind? Later. When? Anthony J. Lyon, international detective. Yeah. 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 One, three, all two, Beachwood. Right away, Mrs. Carr. Okay, there's the kickoff, Regan. Who's playing? You and a red-headed guy. Hop over to this address and hide behind a tree or something. I forgot my beard. You'll see a red-headed guy coming out of the house in about 45 minutes. Get a real good look at him. Why? He's the guy you're going to study so you'll know him any time you see him. Where does Hazel Carr fit? She's inside the house. After you spot the guy, go in and see her. Tell him the rest. She'll give you all you got to know. Now get moving and stay on the ball. I work for you. How can I get off? Well, I left the lion sitting there, and I drove out to the Beechwood address. It turned out to be a corner house stuck on the top of a hill, and it figured a good rain would wash it down the drain. Well, I parked across the street and lit a cigarette. 
watched a kid on a bicycle throwing newspapers. His aim was real good. He got them all on the roof. I watched him finish the block, and that's when my knee action began to suffer. A heavy guy in a trench coat had his foot on my running board. He had a big face, and he turned it sideways and stuck it in the window. What's the matter, buddy? Out of gas? No, my foot fell asleep. Oh. How about a light? Want a light? Got one. Okay. Out of fluid, anyway. Well, pull your head out of here before you lose it. It's all right. I always carry a spare. Come on, beat it, Buster. You spoil my view. Oh. Peeking, huh? Maybe. You say maybe? I say yes. All right. What do you want? Same as you. You're looking? I'm looking. Whose side you on? Depends. On what? Whose side you're on. See ya. That was when the front door of the car house opened and six feet of pinstripe gray came out on the sidewalk. His 200 pounds was topped off with a bush of red hair and he had a face to match. It had a flushed look, like a high school boy at a burlesque show. He started down the street. The guy in the trench coat crossed over to the other side and moved after him, kind of slow. Then they disappeared around the corner. Now, he was playing his hand, I was playing mine. I climbed out of my car and walked up to the door of the car place. The bell sounded like something that should have been in Buckingham. But the woman who answered wasn't any queen. Yes? My name's Regan, International Detective Bureau. Oh, lines on. Please come in, Mr. Regan. I'm Hazel Carr. All right. Uh, saw him, I suppose. The redhead? Rather large, isn't he? His dons are missing a bet. Put on, Mr. Regan. May I offer you something? I'll try a story. We'll get to that in a moment. What's wrong with right now? We have other things to discuss. You have a dark suit, I suppose. Yeah, I got it on. Well, get it pressed. You're going out tonight, Mr. Gregan. I'm already booked. Then disappointed. You see, from now on, you're working for me. Come on, strike a match, lady. I don't like the dark. You're going to meet the 710 at the Union Station. My daughter Phyllis is coming in. She's been at an Eastern school getting finished. How'd she turn out? Just a vacation. She's dying to see Hollywood. She should have a young man. I'm no escort, Bureau. I want more than an escort for Phyllis. I want a man with authority. You play that rough? That redhead you saw. He thinks he's in love with her. We all make mistakes. But he's impetuous. Follows her all over. He even threatened her. He says he'll kill her and himself if she doesn't marry him. Well, either way, he loses. I don't care about him. It's Phyllis that worries me. She's so young. Mm -hmm. But I don't want her to know that things are so bad she needs protection. You must remember that. Maybe she'll figure it out herself. Don't let her. Anyway, I've wired her that a young man was going to meet her at the train to show her around. A nice young man. Can you act the part? I'll try. See that you do. Who's that boy out in front in the trench coat? I don't know what you mean. Okay. Anything else? I made your reservations for dinner dancing at the Grove. I'll show her a good time. You're paying the bills. And keep her occupied until I figure out a way to get rid of that redhead. Murder might work. Think about it. Call me after you pick her up. Sure. Now, you you better go. Okay. Oh, uh, Mr. Regan. Yeah? Here. What's this? Emily Post. Read up on your manners. Well, I figured she wasn't telling everything, but it was her play. I headed for my place to clean up before meeting the train. It took a little time bucking traffic on Franklin. At Gower, I played tag with the truck driver, trying hard to crease my fenders. It was about 6.15 when I pulled to a stop in front of my apartment. When I opened the door, I smelled cigar smoke. 
Somebody was over for a slumber party. A short, stocky guy with a stub crammed in his face was sleeping on the bed. He must have been having a real good dream because he was tough to wake up. Hey, come on, buddy, hey. Come on, the alarm just went off. Oh, hiya, Regan. Guess I dozed off waiting for you. Pajamas in the top drawer. What are you using? Like a scratch. Yeah. kind of late last night. You should have stayed home today. I'll be seeing you. What for? Uh, you know what? That pretty crummy mattress you got. Well, I'll put in for a beauty rest. Huh. Yeah. Do that, Regan. All right, punk. Let's get to it. Ease off. Ease off, Pilgrim. I'm still shaking the sand out. Well, get up and start talking. Easy, easy. Name's Mo. I'm a friend. Convince me. I'm going to. Hey. They get something to drink around? Maybe after the talk. I guess. Who sent you? Your insurance company. I'm paid up. And not in the collection department. What else they got? Friendly service, goodwill. Getting close to Christmas. I'll send you a card. Don't want no card. Just want the pleasure of knowing I did your service. Name the kind. Guys going to meet trains. Have accidents sometimes. Santa Fe's not going to like you. But I figure you will. Giving you how to stay healthy. My doctor tells me vitamins. Mo says it's the wrong dope. Skip the train and take in a show. I don't like popcorn. It'd pay you to learn. You want to tell me why? You got enough. How about that drink, friend? You didn't earn it. Treat yourself, people. But being nice is raining a neck with me. I'm pretty nasty. That won't get you an argument. I'd even hit a guy two feet shorter than me. Yeah, I'm turning pale. That's a good color for you, Regan. Stay that way. He chewed on the cigar a couple of times, and then he went out to find a spittoon. Oh, the whole thing had a crummy look like a box of stale crackers. I tried to figure whether he was working for the redhead or grubbing around on his own. But not enough scenes were in to make it a full picture. Well... The car woman was writing the checks, and I was still crying. So I cleaned up, threw on some fresh clothes, and made it to the Union Station a little after seven. The super chief was just coming in. The station master, who walked with a slight list, took her name and said he'd bring her to me. And then I fought my way to the restaurant, and the waiter brought me a cup of coffee. He was a skinny little guy with a lot of neck muscles. I guess he got that way from talking so much. Are you going someplace, mister? Just been. Oh, that fun? It wasn't bad. Sugar? No, thanks. Oh, that's no good for you anyway. Gives you diabetes. You know, mister, I gotta go someplace myself sometime. I got a suggestion. I've been working here 12 years. Yeah. People come, people go. Pete Brody stays on forever. Cream? No. That's just as well. It's sour. <laughs> you know the farthest place I ever go, mister? That first door to the right. Uh, I, I, are you Mr. Uh, Regan? Yeah. I believe you're waiting for me. You got a name? Phyllis Carr. That'll do. Well, the darling aren't you going to ask me to sit down. You can handle that yourself. Thank you. Where's your baggage? Uh, we'll have to pick it up. Are you going someplace, lady? I just got in. I've been figuring on going someplace myself. I was just telling your friend here. Get us some uh, coffee. Uh, but I... I've Get been... it. Okay, okay. I'm just being friendly. Yeah, I'm going to adore it here. Town full of mashers. You'll get along. I'm much older than I look, you know. Carry a sign. Well, you don't seem very happy with me. I'm dreadfully sorry. You're much better than I expected. Your mother thought different. Oh, she's a dear. 
I thought at first she might pick me one of those children from UCLA. They'll grow up. Darling, who can wait that long? I want to have fun while I'm young. Look, what kind of school do you go to? All girls. Well, that explains a little. And it's very progressive. Here's your coffee, lady. Oh, thank you so much. Ah, oh, don't mention it, lady. Yeah, like I was telling your friend here before. Uh, where are you going, Mr. Reed? I figured on going... No, not you. Me. Uh, me. Oh. The phone your mother. Say hello to the dear for me. I'm going to say a lot more. Now, you sit right there till I get back. Oh, whatever you say, darling. I'll be making myself more beautiful. Save that for the redhead. Where'd you hear about him? News gets around. You're more my type. Uh, you better settle for UCLA. You don't want to wind up an old maid. Well, it wasn't appealing. Nursemaid to a junior miss trying hard to work up a sweat. The curtain wasn't down, but I was ready to call off the show. I scratched around for a nickel and I found the phone booth between the newsstand and a broom closet. It was some old gal inside with a waffle for a hat having a private filibuster. When she finished, I went in and started to dial Hazel Carr. That's when I spotted that redhead in the pinstripe working his way through the crowd. He had an eager look, like an English setter flushing quail. I threw the receiver back on the hook and started for Phyllis. As soon as I stepped out of the booth, the thunder broke. Somebody threw two slugs into the redhead and his light went out. The crowd began to gather, so I went back for Phyllis. It was hard going. I was moving against the grain. Hey, hey, watch out where you're going. What? I heard a shot, Come on Hey. Hey, you. Some excitement outside, hey, mister? Call homicide. I've been working here 12 years, seen a lot of things. Where'd she go? One day a whack chased the major all over the place. Oh, listen. Hey. Now, listen. That blonde sitting over in the corner with a high meter reading. Where'd she go? Hey, you're spilling the coffee. Oh, now, see what you've done. What happened to her? Leave me alone. Give it to me. She went out. When? Well, just after you did. Before or after the shot? I, I don't remember. Well, think. Before. Yeah, yeah, before. I, I remember watching the way she walked. Did you get a date? Uh, she tried, but she said she was going steady with a red-headed guy. Well, things weren't going to get any better at the Union Station. Homicide would be down there scratching around. So I used the back door of the restaurant, picked up my car, and went out to the Lions. When he opened the front door, he had a bottle of beer in one hand and a chicken sandwich in the other. He looked unhappy, like a beaver with a loose tooth. Regan, where you been? I've been looking all over for you. Did you try missing person? Called your place three times, nobody answered. You knew I was working. That's what I called you about. I got something to tell you. Well, wait your turn. What's the matter with you? In trouble again? No, you are, big shot. Another bum client. International detective never had a bum client. Well, those two women just spoiled your record. You've been drinking. You better call homicide and get us off that hook and then turn back Carr's retainer. Regan, what are you saying? You heard me. But it's unethical to return money. When Anthony J. Lyons... Oh, stop it, will you? You quit giving blood when you find out somebody would pay for it. You're out of line. Every time you cut yourself, you make a beeline for the Red Cross to get it back. International detectives under obligation to Mrs. Carr, and we're going to see a truth. All right. You hold her hand in the gas chamber. What does that mean? That's where she's going to be after the police get through. What what happened? That redhead got himself a free ride to the morgue. It looks like her daughter, Phyllis Carr, called the play. You're out of your mind. Look at this telegram. Uh, Let me see. It's from Phyllis Carr in New York. She just ran away from school with a Princeton man. You are listening to the story of the lady with too much hair. Tonight's adventure with Jeff Regan, the investigator. 
Commissions are still available in the Army Nurse Corps. Graduate registered nurses between the ages of 21 and 45 may qualify for service with this fine organization. Nurses may request active or inactive status. Those on active status enjoy the same privileges as regular Army officers. Those on inactive status may continue their civilian nursing duties, but stand ready to serve in time of emergency. If you are interested in joining the Army Nurse Corps and believe you qualify for a commission, apply to the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. And now, back to Jeff Regan, Investigator, and the story of the lady with too much hair. sense like a girdle on a Siamese twin. Started out with a redhead and a pinstripe and wound up a nursemaid job with a girl named Phyllis. While I'm in a phone booth, somebody throws a couple of sleeping pills at the redheaded guy. The smoke cleared and Red's doing the big sleep in Union Station and my date somewhere else. The lion makes it a Sunday special with a telegram that says everything is off. Well, it didn't take 20-20 vision to see that the girl in the station was a substitute or the telegram was a phony. Yeah, it was easy to figure my next move. I went across the street and I found a booth way over in the corner. I was two drinks into the house when the skinny guy in the trench coat eased down beside me. Hi, Regan. Think it all helps? You get around. So do you. Still following people? I gave up. You? You got something to say? I'm just here for a friendly drink. Try the bartender. I like conversation. What kind? All kinds. Bourbon and water. I don't look so worried, Regan. I'll pay for my own. You're going to make a night of it? I can't. Got things to do. Got to find a man who shot a man. What man? The one I followed. The one you watched. Any idea? Yeah. Who? You. Some joke, Regan. Well, why'd you follow him? My business. Besides, I lost him in a traffic jam. Hey, I'm Thanks. Well, here's to the newspaper. Uh... Seen this one yet with pictures? All about our friend. Fine murder story. No, I work the crosswords. Oh, give me crime and lots of it. You know why? No, tell me why. It's sin, and sin is here to stay. All right, you said your piece. Hmm. Unknown assailant fires two shots into traveler at Union Station. Listening? It's an old story. Think so? He got his red hair dirty on the floor. Uh-uh. Wrong caper. Well, I'll catch up later. This guy was different. Oh, balls, like a boiled egg. Crazy, give me that. See what I mean? Guy in the picture ain't got red hair, got no hair. What's your angle, Buster? Like I said, I read paper. Why? Thought maybe you belong to the barber's union. Well, it turned out to be an even trade. I took his newspaper and he got my ice in the drink. Well, I went back to the office and sat down and tried to figure it out. It was all crazy, like an Eskimo with a popsicle. I started by calling Hazel Carr's house, but the nickel came back. The phone book gave a business address, so I drove out there. It was a pink stucco job out on Olympus right after you pass Redondo. A red neon sign told you that Hazel Carr Incorporated specialized in hair pieces. Nobody answered up front, so I slipped around to the back door. The door opened into a workroom. I scratched a match. Somebody had been looking for something and it wasn't dandruff. Every wig in the place was torn apart. 
It was about then that I heard a step, and then a flashlight jumped out at me, and I smelled a cigar. It was Mo. Hi, Regan. Well, sleeping beauty. I'm awake this time. I'm impressed. Tell me more. Stand still, Regan. This alarm clock goes off. It's already rung. I didn't do it. Body in Union Station. Chamber of Commerce gets upset. I'm from Florida. Figure to bring up the orange crop? Didn't do this either. Spit out the seeds. Regan, you're not friendly. You got here first. I'm here all the time. No, you're trying too hard, Mo. I work here. It's a serious business. We make billiard balls happy. All right, so you work for Hazel Carr. Say something with hormones. You're learning nothing that's not in the trades. Why'd you snatch the redhead's toupee? You make me tired of saying I didn't. Couldn't meet his installments? Out, you'll get credit. What's in that toupee? You've asked enough questions, Regan. Relax, buddy. You'll burn out your coils. You're in the way. I told you once. I was born on the second honeymoon. Where? Happy birthday, Junior. Ooh! I was lying face down in a pile of Santa Claus beards and yak tails. When I rolled over, there was the lion. He was shaking like a polar bear in a French bathing suit. Wake up. We huh? gotta wake up. Ooh. I could hire a detective for the price of you. You got a midget and he'd starve to death. We got a client. She needs you. What are you, Silent Arrow? I'm a nursemaid with you around. She called the office. Gonna have another daughter? I told you it's legitimate. She didn't know nothing about the phony. Where is she now? 1629 Locust Avenue. Why? She's in the middle of a smuggle. You sure? It adds up. She pays the bill. She's straight. How'd you meet her in the first place? I got a right to a private life. Not at your age. So I left the lion standing here and I climbed in my car. I made a couple of right turns in the wrong zone, but I found the address all right. 1629 turned out to be a two-story Monterey number in the middle of what looked like a golf course. Hazel Carr owned this place, too. She must have been selling toupees to Crosby's whole stable. I parked the car, and I headed for the lights that were on downstairs. I took the front steps two at a time. Oh. Well. Why? If it isn't UCLA. I just got in from Berkeley. Oh, don't be bitter. I'm not. Where you been? Jealous? You're fickle. Just when I'm in college. Lucky student body. I didn't know you noticed. Well, skip it. It was a lousy act anyway. Good enough to fool you. Going somewhere? I got a date. If it's with Mrs. Carr, don't bother. I sent for you. You better try again. Your boss just got a phone call. Well, if I put on one act, I can put on another, can't I? You didn't kill Red. Uh, not important. Yes, it is. Come on back inside. We're going to have a threesome. I like it better at the zebra room. We could find a dark place. That'll come later. Uh-uh. I'm leaving. No, you're not inside, <laughs> sis. You don't have to coax me. Where is she? Mrs. Carr. Look, it wasn't me. She's been dead a long time. So's your alibi. I've only been here for five minutes. You're lying. I'll make you listen to me. Look out. Drop it. You pick up that gun and I'll break you in two. Stop it. Get me a drink. Some over there. Look, I didn't kill him. Not either one of them. Sure. You don't believe anything. Depends on the source. Here, just to slow you down. Thanks. All right, now let's start talking. You got me into it. Mo? Maybe. Say yes. Don't be personal. 
You get me out of the way so he can plug the redhead and snatch the toupee. Moe's impulsive, that's all. Forget about him. But the toupee was empty, so the two of you have to scratch around some other places for it. Shall I run my fingers through your hair? Let's stick to the subject. I wish you would. Did the redhead know he was carrying an empty load? Nobody did, except Mrs. Carr. It was a smuggle, and she was holding out. It's a mistake for a woman, don't you think? They had a trio, and she wanted to sing solo. The boys weren't smart like you are. Maybe she was worried about her daughter. Maybe she wanted to go straight, and the boys didn't want her to. You're wasting our time. Let me show you where I fit in. No, you're on the wrong floor. There's a way to fix everything. You're an accessory. I can become essential. You'd get lipstick on my expense account. Come here. I'll break it up, baby. You scratched around every place. You still can't find the goods. I think I found it. You figure the old lady used me as a safety deposit box? Where else could it be? All right, supposing I got it, what next? Do I have to draw a diagram? You might as well be realistic about this. What's it worth? $50,000 of the white stuff. I don't like the dream. You look like you could use one. I'm excellent. Meet the contract, player. Oh. Yeah, this act figured to do it. Mo. You got a good memory. Mo, baby, Skip I... Skip it. Stand still, Pilgrim. I, w- I was trying to get it from I you. heard the song, but Regan might like to hear the chorus. Oh! oh. It is the bed, Regan. Grab an offer when it's hot. <laughs> Don't be sad, Pilgrim. She smiled at all the boys. Come on, let's get out of here. You'll look better with slow paralysis. <laughs> I had about as much chance as a clean towel in the boarding house. When the muscle said move, I had to be polite. I guess he figured the car place was too crowded and he wanted new scenery. Well, we went out to the street and he steered me for his car. It was a black job with white sidewalls. There were two suitcases in the back seat. But all his bags weren't packed. He was missing a small package. And he had the idea it was over at my place. When we got there, it was about midnight, but it wasn't too late for him to go to work. Now, is Miss Betterigan? Home sweet home. I never liked it anyway. Move. I got a lease. Those things can be broken. Want me to show you how? No, I'll struggle along. You make things hard on yourself. Now do something the easy way. Get me the stuff. You're wasting your time. I got lots of it, you ain't. Well, I haven't got it. Mo thinks you have. Well, and he's pretty dumb. You... That's on account I don't like your choice of words. Buy me a dictionary. You're going to get yourself two big holes in your middle if you don't lay that stuff in my hand. <laughs> Sorry I had to do that to him, Regan. I forgive you. I just came up to get my newspaper back. He was acting mad. The little guy in the bar. My boss doesn't like it. Uncle Sam, huh? Mm-hmm. Narcotic. I tried to tip you off before, but you weren't looking. Somebody should have tipped Mo. Weren't you watching? I just did. Well, it was all over fast, like a short beer in a cheap saloon. They took him away in a basket. All I had left was a spot on the rug. They had a good thing until Hazel Carr got anxious and decided to pull out. Only she wanted to be clean and have the stuff, too. That's what started the scavenger hunt. 
The only thing straight in the whole corkscrew was the part about the daughter needing protection. But I guess she got it back at Princeton. The stuff? Oh, it finally turned up. Hazel Card found herself a good place to hide it. The Fed spotted it the first thing the next morning when he saw the lion. How could he miss? The lion looked awful in that red toupee. <laughs> Jack Webb is featured as Jeff Regan with Herb Butterfield as Anthony J. Lyon. It's CBS at the same time next week for more hard-boiled action and mystery with Jeff Regan, Investigator. Written by Larry Roman and Jackson Gillis. Produced by Sterling Tracy. Included in tonight's cast were Mary Lansing, Ken Christie, Sidney Miller, Lorette Pilbrandt, and Ed Berry. 29,000 nurses are needed to join the new Army Nurse Corps Officers Reserve. For the first time in history, qualified nurses have the opportunity of receiving commissions in the regular Army Reserve. These nurses will remain on inactive status, ready to serve their country in time of emergency. 4,000 of them, if they wish, may choose active duty. All nurses who receive commissions will benefit from the opportunity for specialized training offered to them by the Army. Inactive reserve status will not interfere with the nurse's civilian life. If you're a registered graduate nurse between the ages of 21 and 45, drop a card to the Adjutant General, Washington, D.C. Original music for this program is by Milton Charles. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents... This is your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. Now, for a moment, we're going to hear from a representative of our sponsor, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. I like my job as an Equitable Society representative because it enables me to do a lot of good for my friends and neighbors. For instance, the Equitable Education Fund. Last week, seven boys and girls started off for college because years ago I showed their fathers the advantages of an Equitable Education Fund. In approximately 14 minutes, I'll be back to give you the whole story of an Equitable Education Fund, an important contribution to American education made by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Tonight's FBI file, The Flying Thieves. From time to time, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has brought you the latest reports from the field of crime on this, their official radio program. You have learned that there are more than 5,000 major crimes committed every day in this country. That when broken down, that figure reveals that major crimes are committed every day and night at the rate of three a minute. 
If you have given those facts any thought, and they are worth the serious thought of every decent citizen, you may have wondered just who commits those crimes. That is a question to which there is no specific answer, no descriptive phrase that could be applied to cover every person who breaks the law. There are more than seven and a half million people whose fingerprints are in the FBI criminal fingerprint files. If you have any doubts about how large that number of people is, you have only to be told that few armies in World War II from any nation were that big. And the comparison of the number of soldiers in uniform during a war to the number of people with fingerprint arrest records is not merely an idle figure of speech. The attempt by your FBI and other law enforcement agencies to wipe out crime is a war with all the attendant physical dangers that any war has. You who were in this country during the battle against the aggressor nations were told many times that that was a war the United States simply could not afford to lose. Your FBI now tells that the same thing is true of the war against crime. For if this war is lost, then the other victory will have been in vain. Tonight's file opens in a wild and remote section of woods in one of our northwestern states. A middle-aged man and woman on horseback are threading their way through the dense forest. Easy, boy. Easy. He's mighty playful. Yeah. Glad to be heading home, I guess. Yeah. I am, too. You mean that, Mary? Why shouldn't I? Oh, well, I thought after visiting the Hank village... Clayton, don't you go starting that again. <laughs> oh, I like the village fine, but like our cabin better. With nobody but me to talk to? I guess I can put up with it. Well, you're a brave woman. Plain. Yeah, forest patrol. It don't look like it. It's wrong color. Should it sound like that? Sputtering? Uh-huh. I don't think so. Better start climbing if he wants to make the ridge. Yeah. Listen to it now. Yeah, it sounds bad. You think he'll make the ridge? Maybe. Hank, he's falling. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to watch. Meanwhile, at an FBI field office some 600 miles away, Special Agent Jim Taylor is just leaving the teletype room when he meets Agent George Grayson. George, you down here for anything special? No, just looking for you, Jim. I found your message on my desk. No? Oh, go ahead. Thanks. You see the late edition of the morning paper? No. No, I didn't. A pair of bandits held up the paymaster out at the airport. One of the men got into the cashier's cage by flashing counterfeit FBI credentials. Uh Uh-huh. After getting the money, they stole a plane from one of the hangars. They probably crossed the state line. Well, that put us in on two counts. Mm -hmm. Any details on the holdup? The paymaster said the job was well planned. He recognized one of the bandits as a man who's been hanging around the airport for a week. Why didn't he complain to the police? Well, the man wore a leather flying jacket, and the paymaster thought he was one of the pilots from the field. Hmm. Well, at least you'll be able to give us a pretty good description. He did, on both minutes. What time did they pull the robbery? 7.45 this morning. Hmm. That's six hours ago. Hmm. Well, they could have gotten a long way from here by now. You've already sent an alarm, Jim? On both men. I also sent the bandits' descriptions to Ident in Washington. Good. 
George, I think I'll go out to the airport again. I'll check with you as soon as I return. Come on, Eddie. Get up. Yeah. Oh, it's you. How's your head? Not so good. Where are we? In the cabin. What about the plane? Crashed. That I know. Great little pilot. Well, I couldn't help it. The motor conked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I've been flying planes since I... I was... know, since you were 12 years old and you've flown two million miles. That's right. And you couldn't miss a mountain. Look, it's an aeronautical fact. Please, we got ground facts now. How did we get from where we crashed to here? I don't know. I just came to myself. Hey. Hmm? What about the dough? Well, it's not here. What? I just looked for it. Then we've been clipped. By who? Whoever brought us here. Well, didn't expect to find you up this quick. Who are you? I live here. Where is here? Summit Mountain. Well, that don't mean much. Where's the nearest town? Bottom of the mountain. How'd we get here? Well, we brought you here. Who's we? My husband and me. Well. We uh, saw the airplane fall. How far'd you bring us? About three miles. You carried us that far? Well, the horses did. Did you bring anything else? Anything else? Yeah, from the plane. No. You sure your husband didn't get a small black satchel? I didn't see it. You can ask him when he gets back. Where'd he go? Back to town. What for? To get Doc Jenkins for you. Oh. How long will he be gone? Well, should take him most the night to get into town. I don't guess he can make it back much before noon tomorrow. You men hungry? Yeah, we could eat. I'll make you something. I'll call you. You better climb out that window and look around. For the horse? For anything that'll get us out of here. Get anything out at the airport, Jim? Well, nothing we didn't already know. However, we have got something to work on now. What's that? I got a teletype back from Washington on the two bandits that have identified both men. Wow, that's a help. Who are they? One of them is named Eddie Whitehall. The other's a Bill Hudson. Any records? Yes, Whitehall's been convicted twice for armed robbery. Well, what about Hudson? He's got a record, too. Dishonorable discharge from the Army for theft of company funds. Hmm. You know, Hudson was probably the one that flew the stolen plane. He was a pilot before his discharge. Oh, well, Mr. Taylor. Oh, yes, Miss Walker? This teletype just came in. Oh, thanks very much. You're welcome. Something on the bandits, Jim? Yeah, Four stranger called from a station on top of Mount Summit. He saw the stolen plane. Well, that's about 600 miles from here. Oh. When did he see the plane? About an hour ago. Where? It was in trouble coming over the mountain. Motor conked out and it crashed. Has he found the wreckage? No, not yet. He has no idea whether Whitehall and Hudson are even alive. I see. And according to the ranger, there are no roads up there. Only one family anywhere in the vicinity. A trapper named Hank Clayton and his wife. They live in a cabin in the woods and they have... No phone or no radio. Oh, fine. I suggest here that if that if we flew to Woodbury, we could get to the wrecked plane quicker than he could from the ranger station. George, let's get an okay and be on our way. Hey, 
through the window. Okay. I got you. Okay. That does it. Find the horse. Uh-huh. Where? Tied up out and back. Good. Shall we blow? First we see the dame. What for? Find out which way to our plane. Huh? The dough, remember? Oh, sure. Well, come on. Go ahead. All right. Where is she? She said she'd cook something. Probably in the kitchen. Lady! Hey, lady, where are you? She's right here. Huh? Who are you? This is my husband. I thought you went into town. Well, I started to town, but I stopped by your airplane on my way in. You see, it didn't burn when you cracked up. So? I found this gun and this bag, too. It's filled with money. That's right. It belongs to us. This paper here says it's a payroll for an airport. Sure. We were delivering the payroll. I'm not sure I believe that. What do you mean? You were flying west at the time of the accident. This airport's 600 miles east of here. Well, we were lost, that's all. I don't think that should be for me to judge. I don't get this. I'm afraid this is a matter for the sheriff. Wait a minute. You ain't turning up. I got a gun here, man. Now, don't try any rough stuff or you'll force me to use it. Mary? Yes, Hank? I think it'd be wise if you got some rope. I'd feel better with these fellows tied up. Eddie, what are we going to do? This? (laughs) Grab the dope, Bill. Let's get out of here. Return to tonight's exciting FBI file in just a moment. Now for another type of thrill. The kind that millions of Americans will enjoy tomorrow listening to their favorite college team play football. Here's the play. It's another pass. A long spiral to Saunders. But hold on. Here's Ackerman. Ackerman intercepts. Grabs it right out of Saunders' hands. That's the break this big maroon team has been waiting for. In college football, it's often the team that gets the breaks that wins. But after graduation, in business and in social life, you find that the college-trained men and women have a habit of making things break in their favor. Surveys prove that over and over again. For instance, a recent checkup revealed that a college graduate is nearly 15 times more likely to make $10,000 a year or more than a non-college man. With odds like that in favor of college education, odds of 15 to 1... It's not surprising that the Equitable Life Assurance Society decided to create its widely used Equitable Education Fund. An Equitable Education Fund is just what its name indicates. A plan for far-sighted parents who want to make sure that their children get the higher education that means so much to their future success in life. First and foremost, an Equitable Education Fund is sure. S-U-R-E. Right. This fund combines planned regular saving with life insurance. So if the father dies or becomes permanently disabled, this plan makes certain that his children will still be able to get the education he was ambitious for them to have. The second advantage, an equitable education fund is easy. You spread the cost of college over 12 or 15 years instead of taking a beating in four. On that basis, it is surprising how small a monthly payment is required to build up a sum ample to see a boy or girl through college. Remember... Higher education and higher salaries go hand in hand. So the more truly you love your children, the more determined you will be to give them a head start toward future success and happiness with an equitable education fund. 
Get in touch with your Equitable Society representative soon. Or send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Society. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Flying Thieves. Tonight's case from the files of your FBI is illustrative of an important point about crime, a point with which you should be familiar if you have any desire to know something about the background against which America's army of criminals operates. Certainly no two people could have isolated themselves with any more success than the Claytons, the two decent law-abiding people you have met tonight. They were far from their nearest neighbor, far from any radio, telephone, and even far from the nearest highway. Yet they were not so isolated that crime did not find its way into their lives. And that is the point your FBI desires to impress upon you. There is no geography to crime. It can happen anywhere and does. And the moral to be learned from this set of facts is that it is impossible to run away from crime. It will find you in the darkest corner of the nation. Unfortunately, there is only one course open regarding crime. And that is to fight it. You, the decent citizens, must join the law enforcement agencies of the nation in that fight. And you must use every weapon at your command. In less than two months' time, there will be elections held in various parts of the country. In all of those elections, the basic issue will be good government. Your FBI urges you to examine the facts, to study them before you vote for the candidate you desire. Make certain he is on the side of law and order. Then go to the polls and use the weapon that will help wipe out the criminal in your midst. Use your secret ballot. Tonight's file continues that same night as the two special agents, weary from their flight to the small town of Woodbury, meet in a room at the local sheriff's headquarters. George, are you able to get the ranger station on the phone? Yes, Jim. Has he seen anything of Whitehall and Hudson? No, not yet. Sheriff have anything? Just bad news. What kind? Whitehall and Hudson have another 12-hour jump on us. How come? We can't possibly go up the side of a mountain till morning. I see. Well, there's one consolation. If we can't go into the woods at night, they can't find their way out. Yeah, that's true. What kind of progress can we make in the morning? Our sheriff says he can get an auto jogger for us by then. That'll take us up to that trapper's cabin. Well, can we land there? Yeah, there's a clearing right in front of their place. Oh, fine. Hey, is that a... Map of the mountain over there, Jerry? Oh. Mm -hmm. See that, huh? Uh, the uh, ranger thinks the wrecked plane should be right about here. Mm. That's about three miles from the cabin. Yeah. Well, let's go get some sleep now, George. We'll start for the cabin as soon as it gets light. Torch in the army, didn't they? Not when I'm surrounded by trees. You'll have to wait till we hit a clearing. You ever ride a horse before? Yeah, some. Do they all feel this phony? You'll get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. 
I want to get to some place where you ride cars, not horses. Oh, this is a great spot for me to wind up. What about me? You like the country. You saw me that once. Don't you? I feel like I'm roughing it when I'm next to a potted pond. You know, once I had my choice of doing six months on a work farm or two years in a downtown can, I took the deuce just so... Hey, look, that clearing up ahead. Come on, get a point. Hey, hey, not so fast. Whoa, boy, whoa. Stop, will you stop? Huh. Look, there's a river down there. That river's on this map. What else is on the map? Well, we cross the river, there's a town on the other side. Good, let's cross it. Mrs. Clayton here. Your husband is all right. It's only a flesh wound. Oh, thank goodness. Special Agent Grayson is out in the outer jar now calling on the radio for a doctor. Oh, I'm real grateful. Mrs. Clayton, would you mind answering a few questions for me, please? I'll try. When did you first see Whitehall and Hudson? After they fell yesterday. Did they come here to the cabin? Oh, no, they couldn't. We went to the wreck. Mm. Hank pulled them out, and we put them on our horses and brought them here. Well, then what happened? Well, Hank went for a doctor for them, passed their airplane. He looked in at the wreck. He found a bag with money in it and a gun. So he came back here. He asked them questions. They got mad, and then one of them shot Hank. Did they leave right after the shooting? Just about. They took the gun that your husband had found, didn't they? Yes, sir. That means they're both on. They also took the money. I see. Anything else? Yes. A map. A map? Covering how large an area? It was just a real local map. It's the country surrounding the mountain. Would you uh, happen to have a duplicate copy of that map? Oh, yes, several. Would you like one? Yes, yes, I would, please. Here's one. Oh, thanks. Have you any idea where these men went? Oh, no, sir. But they took our horses. What color are your horses, Mr. Clayton? Well, my horse lady is gray and Hank's is a roan. Oh, we might be able to spot your horse from the gyro. Oh, no, not if they're in the woods, Mr. Taylor. We located the doctor, Mrs. Clayton. The gyro pilot's gone in to get him. Oh, thank you. Well, George, let's us hit the trail. What about the gyro? We may be able to grab Whitehall and Hudson before they ever get out of the forest. If we don't, we can come back for the gyro, so let's go. Got your horse tied, Eddie? Yeah. Now, how do we get across the river? We walk across. Are you kidding? Oh, it's full of logs. They're packed solid. Will they hold us? Of course. Come on. I don't like this. Just like walking down a road. Yeah, yeah. You got the knock? Uh-huh. You got the money? Yeah, right here. Look. Are you sure about there being a town across here? Yeah. We pick up a road on the other side. It's another three miles from there. Hey, these things are slippery. Just keep walking. Doing fine. Yeah, great little deal I'm in. First we crack up a plane, then I get a bony horse, now I walk logs. You know what? What's that? Sounded like an explosion. Yeah. Hey, I know what it was. What? It could be breaking up this... Log jam. What does that mean? The logs will start floating loose. 
Well, let's get back. Oh, no. No, we're past the middle now. We'll have to run for the other side. Skipper says he can set this gyro right down to the horses, George. Good. I don't see any sign of the man, do you? No. Hey, George, how long ago did you say that blast went off? You mean when they broke the log jam? Yeah. I guess about a half an hour. Well, then they could have reached the riverbank before it broke and just walked across. That's true. Hey. These things land real easy, don't they? Yeah. Skipper, we'll be with you in a minute. Okay. Go ahead, George. Those are the Clayton horses, all right. Here are the men's footprints. Yeah, yeah, I see them. They seem to lead right to the river. Mm-hmm. George, uh, let me see that map, will you? Yeah. Okay. They did walk across on the logs, Jim. Uh-huh. Gonna make them tough to find. Maybe not. Come on, let's get back to the gyro. a map say? How can I read it in the dark? Well, where are we? Where's that town? I don't like this. <laughs> what was that? Sounded like a coyote. Wild coyote? They're all wild. What do you think they're doing out here? Hey, look up ahead. What? There's houses. Come on. Where's, where's all the lights? They're probably all in bed. Watch it. What? It's a wooden walk. Let's hit this joint here. We'll get something to eat, something to drink, and some transportation. Hold it, Eddie. Huh? Something funny here. What do you mean? It's too quiet. Too dark. Well? Looks like one of those ghost towns. You mean deserted? Yeah. Can't be. Let's try this joint here. Open up. Open up. The door caved in. Look at the windows. They're all busted. Cobwebs. Let's try another. It's no use. They'll all be like this. Come on. Let's get out of here. Wait, wait, wait. Listen. See nobody. What is this? Stay where you are. Drop those guns. Go on, drop them. Who are you? Special agent of the FBI. You're both under arrest. and Eddie Whitehall were tried and convicted in federal court and sentenced to 25 years in the penitentiary for armed robbery. Special Agent Taylor knew that there was a town indicated across the river on the map which had been taken by the two fugitives. He also knew that it was a ghost town and that they didn't have that knowledge. 
He and Special Agent Grayson, therefore, flew to the entrance of what had once been a busy mining town and waited. Waited with results which you have already witnessed. And so, a combination of superior investigation, plus cooperation from the forest ranger and the local sheriff's office, plus the kind of retentive memory that is taught to agents as part of the strenuous period of training they undergo, resulted in the arrest of the two criminals in tonight's case. It is well known that every member of the Federal Bureau of Investigation has to be in top physical shape because fighting crime often takes sheer muscle. However, they are also put into fit mental condition too because your FBI knows that only in that way can it be sure adequately to protect you, your property, and your freedom. just a moment, we will tell you about next week's exciting case from the files of your FBI. But first, let's hear briefly from an Equitable Society representative on the subject of an Equitable Education Fund. I just want to remind all you fathers and mothers that an Equitable Education Fund takes the if out of education. Even if the father dies or becomes permanently disabled, the fund still carries on. The man whose words you have just heard speaks for 6,000 Equitable Society representatives from coast to coast who are always ready to give you friendly help and counsel. If you do not know the name of the equitable man in your community, send a postcard care of this station to the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a dramatic story of criminal corruption. Its subject, murder. Its title, Dead Man's Tale. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were Grace Albertson, Tom Brown, Ted DeCorsia, Jack Webb, Peggy Weber, and Roland Winters. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Dead Man's Tale on This Is Your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. That's it for Case Closed this week. I hope you enjoyed our stories this time. You can find more from Jeff Regan, This Is Your FBI, past episodes of Case Closed, all the other podcasts, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes, all at the website, relicradio.com. I'd like to help support it all. You can donate through the website as well. Visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link while you're on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. My thanks, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Thank you.